Hello everyone and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing how to grow an edible garden on a budget. My name is Lucy Good and I am the founder of Beanstalk, an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. My aim with these podcasts is to get useful, targeted information to single mums wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I hunt down experts in the subjects that matter to single mums and I ask the questions that I think you want to know the answers to. The information being shared in my free podcast can save you time, money and a whole lot of worry and if you have questions that are specific to your situation, my guests are always happy to go a step further so don't be afraid to contact them directly if you like what you're hearing. And talking of guests, it's my great pleasure to introduce today's podcast guest, Kath Lyons from Tiny Trowel. Now, Tiny Trowel is basically a really cool idea. It's a crowdsourcing setup with a difference. Tiny Trowel looks to the wider community to source food plants, services and produce to contribute towards helping in a food crisis. They collaborate with organisations with a vision to create communities around organic food sources. And this is based on the belief that when a community is empowered with self-sustaining food gardening practices, reliance upon food relief agencies is reduced. Tiny Trowel collectively aims to harness the power and generosity of the wider community, which they call the crowd, in an effort to address food security issues in a number of ways, including crowd harvests, crowd sharing, crowd farming, crowd talks and crowd partnerships. And behind all of this is the wonderful lady I have chatting with me today. Welcome, Kath. Hello, Lucy. Lovely to be on your show today. It's lovely to have you. Did I make it clear enough um, in the introduction of what Tiny Trowel do? Yeah, that sounded lovely. Thank you. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. As I say, it's a super cool idea. Um, now, you and I met via my Facebook group, The Single Mum Vine, which is very appropriate, talking about vines and gardens and growing things. <laughs> and you registered on my radar because you're clearly a kind, loving, giving person. Um, and you've been known to visit single mums who are on the group who are struggling with the provision and guidance to set up edible gardens. Um, and I, I love you for this. Uh, but looking at Tiny Trowel, it's something much bigger than, than helping individuals, isn't it? It's about helping masses of people. Just tell us a little bit about that. Yes, well, in Melbourne, I have a lot of friends who work in the food relief uh, sector and they came to me a couple of years back and said, look, you know, we're finding that there's more people demanding our services than we can provide for. They actually couldn't meet demand with the strategic setups that they've got through Melbourne. So I set to thinking about how that could be addressed. And having lived in Melbourne all my life and knowing lots of people from all, all walks of life um, and knowing the history of Melbourne, there is a very strong food-growing culture in people's backyards. See, after World War II, millions and millions of Europeans settled in Melbourne and they all set to work in developing their backyard harvests. 
So I said to my friends, if we could possibly harvest the abundance that is growing in Melbourne's backyards to supply to you, your food relief agencies, would this make any sort of difference? And they jumped at the idea. They thought it was fabulous. So the concept of the crowd harvest, which was the first sort of initiative, commenced. Mm. And we found that um, when we ran the crowd harvest through social media campaigns, um, wider traditional media got on board, meaning print media and radio, and we found that kilos and kilos of food were coming into the not-for-profits that really had a strong need for food relief. That's amazing because it's almost it's like one of those ideas it's a bit like uber that um someone has this idea and you think why didn't i think of that it's a no-brainer so you had that idea that it's just so obvious now that you've you've put it out there there's you know there's all this food and abundance there it just needs to be almost channeled by someone doesn't it It needs to be directed by someone who knows what they're doing yeah well we know that the abundance is there because to see a, a million Italians, you know, landed in Melbourne uh, in the 1950s and then a million Greeks. And their culture is to cultivate all land available to them to grow food. And they grow truckloads of it. Mm. Like every vine is just dripping with grapes. Every tree is just having so much it falls to the ground. And that particular community now is elderly. They're in their 80s, uh, 90s, some of them and can no longer actually work it. They haven't got children at home to feed it to. This stuff is going to waste. So, you know, just chatting through with people about seeing if that would work for them, they just said, yeah, let's let's get on it, give it a trial run and see how it goes, and it's flying. Mm. Well, good for you, Kath. It's a fantastic thing to be doing. And, I mean, today we, we're scaling it down a little bit in our chat. We're talking to single mums to help more on an individual basis um, and helping them to um, and trying to inspire them to to grow their own edible garden so we'll get started with the questions and um, we'll see if we can get some inspiration going and some green fingers here Um, (laughs) so in a nutshell and this makes it sound easier than it is tiny trowel is about pulling communities together to supply fresh fruit and veggies to everyone who needs them and most specifically those who can't afford them so the most basic question of all and taking it right back to the beginning why is it so important that single mothers and their children have plenty of delicious fresh produce in their diet well we all know that beautiful nourishment is so important for the growing brain and children need as much variety of fruit and vegetables as they can get if they're going to have adequate growth, if they're going to succeed at school, if they're going to um, do well at sport. And then neurological research is telling us how important the nutrients are for um, thinking and ongoing growth and mental health into later life and through teenage life. If teenagers have adequate nutrients in their diet, the impact of every teenager's crisis years is reduced mm-hmm. to some extent. And look, I'm, I'm quoting the professionals in the field. I'm a single mum myself and I can, I can say that that was the case for my son who is now an adult 
and he's he's flying. But I think if we're really going to talk to our single mums, it's great for them to know that I, I've been on my own for 23 years now and um, in order to get that nutrient to him, I looked for alternate ways to actually do that within my budget because, you know, we, we all face that financial need. And my lovely son, is um, his dad's Italian, so he, he's a growing six-foot-tall man now. But So to get there, well, you could imagine the food. Oh, <laughs> I can't imagine it. Uh, definitely. And I know, I mean, I'm the, the mother to a, teen, a young teenager now, and I know if there's anything I could possibly do to help her through these years, then I'm going to do it because they are hard years for them, aren't they? Absolutely right. So yeah, it's just so important for the for the growth, for the bones, for their muscles, for all of that, and their mental health. Mm. So in my journey, um, he would eat me out of house and home, Lucy. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, he would eat four meals a night. <laughs> really? Four meals a night. I would cook up spaghetti bolognese, and he would have a plate of that and say, "Oh, that's nice. With what's next?" So I'd do um, shepherd's pie or cottage pie, as it's known as in Australia. He would have enough for two grown men and then say, what's next? Mm, mm. So I'd pick an apple crumble. <laughs> He'd have enough for two grown men and then say, what's next? And I'd say, here's $10, we'll go to the Hungry Jacks. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and you've got to feed that need to eat with um, good fuel, don't you? Because it would be so easy, as you say, to give the first bowl of spaghetti bolognese and then, and then give the money for Hungry Jacks. But no, you know, these kids need feeding and it's really important that we, we put good fuel into their bodies. And I know um, as a mum especially when they first start going off to school when they're young, it's almost like you've lost control um, of being able to help them when you leave them at the school gates. But if there's one thing you can do for your kids, it's give them a decent lunch full of healthy foods and nutrients and energy um, because that's the thing that you can do to help them. And so I always give my kids a really, really nice breakfast, some eggs on toast. We always have fruit because I think... They've got to go through a whole day of school and it's quite exhausting what they do. Um, so as mothers, it's, our, it's a really good way to care for our kids um, and a very important way to look after ourselves as well by um, putting good fuel into our bodies. But the tragic thing is, as a single mum, your finances can be so stretched that you just can't. That's so right. you can imagine with a young man eating four meals a night, I just couldn't do it. Mm. The finances got stretched. I, I, you know, maxed out the credit card and I just said, nah, nah, this is, I've got to find another way. So I found the local food swap, which was the start of this journey. Now, I'm not sure if you know about food swaps, uh, but here in Melbourne, there's a really big, huge culture of food swapping, which is um, similar, rather than it being a crowd harvest and it going to a not-for-profit and they distribute it, all the locals gather at the local neighbourhood house or church or public uh, garden where there's a, a table already set, maybe there's a barbecue, and anyone with abundance comes and puts it on the table and you take home what you need. Now, I've got two big pomegranate trees in my front garden and I was able to take some pomegranates off the tree, take it to a food swap and go home with zucchinis and pumpkin and potato. Mm. Now, that meant that my food bill... On, a, on such a tight budget, 
was able to be stretched. Yeah, what a fantastic thing that's going on. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So, look, in today's chat, we're going to talk through how single mums can create delicious, nutritious, cheap, edible gardens at home. All our living situations are different in terms of space and gardens, etc. So, for the single mums listening who are about to switch off as they think they don't have the requirements needed... What's the absolute minimum space you need to start an edible garden? Enough for one pot. And if that one pot is one cylinder on your windowsill, then that's enough to grow some herbs. Mm. Now, every roast and every bolognese sauce needs some thyme or needs some rosemary. And either of those two herbs can be grown on your windowsill or in one pot on a balcony outside or in one hanging basket of your clothesline. And could you grow them, excuse me for interrupting, could you grow them inside or do they have to be outside? Preferably outside, but if you haven't got an outside, then on a windowsill you can manage. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they do, is, is there anything that you could, like if someone was really struggling, they you know didn't have a windowsill, I suppose they could put a hanging basket hanging inside a window so it got the natural light, couldn't they? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's just about being a little bit inventive and thinking about what you can do, I suppose. Absolutely right. Um, I mean, I remember being... Actually, I think it was in the first house we had when we came to Australia and we had one of those old... You know the kids' sand pits that you would... They were like a, a, a clamshell, a yes. plastic clamshell, and you could open them up um, and you had two halves. And I said to the girls, oh, we'll, you know, we'll grow something. So we went to the shops and they wanted to grow carrots. They were <laughs> determined to grow carrots. Well, this um, vessel I had for growing them in was probably about uh, 30 centimetres deep. But they wanted to grow carrots, so I said, carrots it is, and we actually planted them from seed and we grew them. And I've got a fantastic photo of the kids standing there so proudly with these totally and utterly distorted carrots that had tried to grow down, but there was no room. So they kind of went sideways and outwards and they twisted around, but they looked fantastic and they tasted amazing. So it just goes to show that you, you can grow anything if you want to and I'm not a green-fingered person so you know if we did that anyone can well that's right and if you start with um well even a carrot if you're talking about carrots if you don't have the money to go to the shops and buy the seed then if you've been you know using carrots we'll chop off the top and you put the top in a windowsill in a little bit of water and that carrot will grow upwards the stem upwards will start to grow and then you can put it in the ground and that will become a new carrot. No, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the same with spring onions. So you talk me through that again. You put the, you, you, t- you cut the top off the carrot. Yeah, keep it. And you pop it into a little cylinder, a small sort of cup thing and a bit of water in the windowsill and mm. put it in and then the stalk green part will start to grow up. And mm. when it's got green you can pop it in the ground and it will give you a new carrot fantastic what a great thing to do and I I was thinking of that actually I was thinking of asking you that question during this podcast because I was intrigued you know how much 
you know, how many things can you grow from what you've already got in your house? Things, um, you know, if you've got strawberry seeds or if you've got seeds from tomatoes, can you use those to grow things or do you need to buy the special ones? Well, um, the spring onions, you can grow the same way I've just explained as carrots. Um, tomatoes are harder because the farmers have genetically modified carrot uh, tomatoes these days that the seed doesn't always give you a new plant. Mm, mm, so yeah. um, the best way of getting seed, if you need it for free, is to attend a local food swap and you can go to your local food swap the first time with nothing and take some seed home. Yeah, and then you can join in the fun and all the swapping, can't you, once you've grown something? Absolutely right. So to, so we're talking about what we need um, to grow things, which actually leads perfectly on to the next question, because... We've realised that, yes, we do have the space and we can do this, even if it's something like a window box or a hanging basket. But next we need the things. And I'm yeah. thinking containers and soil and tools and the seeds and the plants. Um, and this is where, it, you know, we can often go wrong because buying items... Um, you know, we can get things that are unnecessary or they're just not right or they look nice, but they're not practical. So can you just give us a checklist of what we need to get started on a budget? One tiny trowel costs you $5 at Bunnings. Okay, so that's one hand trowel. And then um, your pots, if you need to use pots in a rental, um, you can get those off hard rubbish. Mm. Now, hard rubbish is something in Melbourne that we, we call the council collects your rubbish once every six months and so residents will put out things that cannot go into your regular bin compost waste or recycling and then they'll come and pick it all up for the garbage usually people put pots out in that hard rubbish thing and all my pots come from that I've never paid for a pot yeah I we just had ours here in Noosa actually um, it's amazing what people leave out on the side of the road isn't it Amazing. <laughs> pots, the ceramic. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, because they're very heavy as well, so they're hard to get rid of if you don't want them anymore. So, yeah, like you say, go and have a look. And you posted something amazing on um, the Single Mum Vine Facebook group. Um, yes. I think it was a day or two ago. Was it a Jamie Oliver video of yes. how? Right. Um, you know how easy it is to start a garden and he was using I think old Chinese takeaway um, yeah. containers and yeah. also another one which and they look really great and rustic is just sort of cans so baked bean can take yeah. off the label um, you do need to put a hole in the bottom don't you that's right holes in the bottom meat trays plastic container trays tin cans as you've just said all of them can be reused to grow some food in. And they look nice. I reckon they actually look better than buying, going and spending loads of money on perfect pots. If you get all broken up things or an old watering can, I don't know, I get a bit carried away. An old Wellington boot. Would you call them Wellington boots over here in Australia? No, we call them gum boots. We call them gum. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and, and 
broken teapots, broken cutlery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks so cool. Um, and that's a style nowadays, isn't it? It's quite eccentric to have non-matching things. So why waste money buying new ones when you can just use what you've already got? Um, and of course, the other thing that you can do is you can speak to friends because I've got a huge bag of soil sitting um, in my garden at the moment that I have just had there for about two years and I probably won't ever use so you know just ask around your friends anyone got anything I'm looking to start a garden and when you've grown something you can pay it back to them pay it forward with uh, some nice fresh produce for them well that's right and so talking about soil that's where you need to start so with your soil um, you might have some land you might have a small space of land and um, if you're thinking about that soil being good for growing things, what you do is you start by just digging a hole in the soil. Now, Costa put this on Gardening Australia and then put in a container with that has a lid. So you mm. might have an ice cream container that's got a lid. Pop some large-ish holes in the bottom and through the sides. Put your container in, dig a hole, put that into the soil and then put your veggie scraps into there. With other, and then backfill a little bit of soil and veggie scraps and do a soil lasagna with your veggie scraps. Pop the lid on so rodents don't get in. Now that will be um, absolute party for your worms that are already in the soil. They'll start to live and thrive and reproduce and their fertiliser will absolutely regenerate the soil so that in spring, now for, if, coming up for spring, if you do it now it'll be right for spring, if you wait a couple of months, well, it'll be right for summer. Um, you'll have beautiful, fresh soil without having to pay a thing except, you know, maybe you've bought a four-litre ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good excuse to go out and buy a four-litre ice cream tub, I think. <laughs> I, and I mean... I it's such a fantastic way to do it, isn't it? And it's pretty much organic, really, doing it that way as well. Right. Then you've got free soil. Yeah, I love it. I love things like this. And it's a great way to get rid of all your scraps as well. Oh, yeah, you've got to, got to compost. Yeah, it's really important to do that. I know we had chickens in one of the houses we lived in and it was always great, you know, because you don't want to throw stuff away. So we used to always give everything to the chickens. You feel so much better doing that. Um, so that's another, have a compost instead. Um, so... In that in, yeah. Can I just finish there? In that soil, that's the best place to let, you know, you bought your potatoes. Now, potatoes have not been genetically modified. So let one of your potatoes from your sack go to develop some eyes. Pop that potato in the ground. And in three to six months, you'll have a dozen potatoes. You literally just put it in the ground? Yeah. How, far, how far down do you put it? Oh, um, maybe three inches, 10 centimetres. Really? And could you, you couldn't do um, that in a container? Better not to. You No. If you really want to go for it, maybe get a hessian sack. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, your local um, cafes might have some hessians. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to try that. I think I've got a few old potatoes in the cupboard at the moment. But... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be out there digging away in the back garden tonight. Your money. <laughs> so the next question, it's the big one and the one that is probably on everybody's lips. Tell me, Kath, the pros and cons of seeds or seedlings? Well, if you're a beginner, 
seedlings are probably going to be better for you if you're an absolute beginner. Um, those seedlings eventually may go to seed and then you, you'll have time enough to have gone onto YouTube and learn how to cultivate from seed. You do have to have a bit of um, knowledge behind you before you start cultivating from seed simply because if you're an absolute novice, you won't know what to do and then you'll get disappointed. Mm, yeah, I actually have a funny story about um, growing from seed. Um, we did another of our green-fingered attempts and went to Bunnings or some such place and, you know, the girls wanted strawberries. They wanted to grow strawberries and I had in the back of my mind this is going to be tough because strawberry seeds are really, really small. Um, I was used to growing sunflowers and they're very no notoriously easy, aren't they, to grow from seed. Yeah. But uh, no, strawberries it was. So we said we'd give it a go and we came back and we planted these seeds, which in itself was a mission because they're absolutely minute. Yeah. Put them in and anyway, we waited and we waited. I can't remember how long. And eventually... We couldn't believe it. These little shoots came up and we were ever so excited. And, oh, well, we grew them and grew them and they were about, probably about almost 10 centimetres tall before we realised they were actually weeds. <laughs> and I think it was my eldest daughter went, Mum, they don't look like strawberries, you know. Oh. <laughs> I went, I took a closer look. Of course, being a single mum, we don't often stop and stare at plants for very long. I'd, all I knew was there was something green growing. So we'd been cultivating some very beautiful green weeds. <laughs> we never even saw, we saw nothing of the strawberries. So when you say that seeds are difficult, you're absolutely right. They really are. And would you need extra equipment for growing from seed? No, no, not really. I'm... You need knowledge, so you go on YouTube and you Google what it seed it is you want to grow and um, follow the instructions. There's lots of very experienced horticulturalists online and they'll do two-minute videos on all your various things. Mm. I know this because with my pomegranates, I took some and, and um, used the seed to grow pomegranate trees. And so I've been doing this for about five years and now every year I'll get around five to ten um, saplings and then those are the Christmas presents I give out mm. or I'm able to sell them. Yeah, and pomegranates are very expensive to buy, aren't they? Very. They're a luxury item. Mm. So it's a lovely gift for someone and it's a great way to, to sell and then that, you know, might help me buy a, a bag of potting mix if I'm choosing to buy bags of potting mix. Mm. And do you, with your pomegranates, do you get the juice from them? It's very difficult to get juice from a pomegranate, but I know it's very nutritious. Well, that's a lot of fuss, and who's got the time as a single mum? But So it's not like getting the juice. You can't put them through a juicer or anything like that, you know, even one of the pressed juicers? First of all, you've got to dehusk them, and so right. 10 will take an hour. Right. I've gone off not... the idea already. Yeah, see? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I'm sure there's lots of other juices that you can have that are just as, as healthy. And I guess the other thing with seeds as well is what I've found in the past, um, if I have been successful in growing them, is you get loads. You get so many of them if they do if they do sprout or whatever the right word is, um, that you've almost got too many for the space that you've got. So, yes, of course, you can give some away or even sell some, I suppose. Um, yeah. But... 
to a food swap. Because go then to your food swap. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're home with your fruit and vegetables for free. Yeah. Perfect. I want to find one. I want to go to one now. But, um, look, now, I don't expect you to talk us through exactly how to create our gardens. After all, we're all working in different spaces and different climates. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you recommend some good resources um, that offer advice on how to plant, what to plant and when to plant, um, as well as any other tips that could help us along the way? Well, for any single mum, I would start with herbs. Now, you might think to yourself, well, herbs don't do much but actually the nutrition in herbs is very strong they're so strong that there is a whole um, sector devoted to herbalism and herbs as medicine Mm. so um, I would start with a good crop of um, rosemary thyme oregano and parsley because from those particular you know uh, herbs you get a lot of food out of them they go into many of your roasts, your bolognese,s and your parsley goes into any egg, um, you know, dish that you're preparing, mm. and is also tabbouleh. So if you get a really big parsley crop, you can make tabbouleh, and it costs next to nix to have a big bowlful of tabbouleh, and it will fill up those hungry teenagers with such good nutrition. It would be packed with vitamins, wouldn't it? Absolutely right. Absolutely packed with vitamins, um, and it's such a cheap dish to prepare if you've got your own parsley. And then the next. Which, one can would, I just ask? Do you think that would be healthier than buying it from the supermarket? Yes, because you, you don't put pesticides on your home garden. So you don't have the pesticides. So I understand that, but the nutritional value. Do you still believe that's better? Because the, the, do the pesticides lessen the nutritional value? Um, well, I think that the pesticides negate. Mm, yeah. Some. I don't think it lessens. I think it negates. And right, yeah. Use it, I mean, know, we all know that it will be better to have it organic, but it's in terms of vitamins and nutrients, is there more in something that's homegrown? I would guess that there is. Well, it, yeah, it sounds like a guess, yeah, but to reduce the pesticides in your diet and to reduce your food bill, Mm. you know, it's fantastic. Mm. If you start there and go to Sustainable Gardening Australia, that's been in, um, you know, in operation for 30, 50 years and they've got professional horticulturalists that advise there and the website is fantastic. You can email them and ask a question, etc. Then you've got Gardening Australia, that's on Saturday nights, 6.30, and you've got the best horticulturalist there. And every single week, half of the show is dedicated to edibles. Mm. And then there's other websites that it would be region, region appropriate. So no matter what state you're in or what particular city you're in, look for your local uh, edible garden website, you know, nursery, and talk to people. Mm. And as you go to your food swaps, you're going to meet people who have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. Some of them will be the people who have immigrated here from Europe and the skill sets have been passed down from generation to generation for hundreds of years. You would get some amazing tips, wouldn't you? It would, um, <laughs> it would just be the best. And um, 
is there anywhere that I guess there's Facebook groups and things like that where people can go on and tell people about what they've managed to grow and what or ask for advice on problems that they have? Yes, well, I run Tiny Trailers Group. So if people want to join the Tiny Trailers Group, that's where they can ask questions, get advice from each other, and that's where the community is. Mm. And I suppose people might post pictures on there and say, look what I, you know, look what I did. And everyone can congratulate them because it's a great. And one of the things that comes up on uh, the Single Mum Vine Facebook group, you've probably seen it yourself, Kath, is some mums come on and saying, look, I'm looking for a hobby. I need something to do that's different to looking after the kids or working. Um, And... Well, this is a fantastic hobby for people to start and they can come on even to the single mum vine onto Tiny Trowel and they can show us what they've done and we'll all be behind them and congratulating them and trying to help them. So, yeah, yeah. it's always good to share, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. Celebrate your journey. Yeah, I think. Um, so when it comes to edible gardening, I'm sure I'm not alone when I say I have this image of my children and I skipping along with the wind in our hair, picking fresh homegrown produce to go in our heavily laden wicked basket. Uh, but the reality <laughs> is often far from it. Um, so can you tell us the most common mistakes people make that end up in a less than satisfactory and somewhat disappointing result? Well, either overwatering or underwatering is a mm. common one. If things are in pots and you give it a water, you need to remove your um, tray underneath and let it drain out for a good 10 minutes or else the roots can drown. And then if the if the soil gets too dry, you can see if soil's getting too dry, then all the organic matter in that soil dies. So you've got to keep the water moist without drowning it. And I think that's a real typical one, isn't it? And I know it's one I've done of just overwatering. Mm, that's usually the worst. Yeah. And uh, I, is there a certain time of year that you would recommend for... Um, you know, you've got a novice wanting to start out in the garden, when would you recommend them to do that? Well, if they're starting now and they've got a bit of land, do your ice cream worm farm, ice cream container worm farm now. Mm. Prepare the soil and then come September, October, you can be planting things into that soil. Um, You know, you can remove the ice cream container and put it somewhere else or save it for next year. And then you can be planting and you'll find that you'll get a good bumper crop by Christmas. So really, what would that be? That would be, um, where are we now? So spring, I get confused because my seasons are back to front coming from the UK. So spring is the time, is it? No, it's winter now to prepare the soil. Winter, prepare. Spring, plant. Spring, plant, yeah. I might reap. Okay, all right. And that's the same with most produce or does it vary at the moment we were talking about novices getting started so once you've got started and um you see the results the first time it'll be inspiring and then you've got all the months um Mm. between now and christmas to start looking on youtube to learn to decide what it is that your family eats most and what you're going to plant and what's going to really affect the bottom line when it, at the checkout 
Yeah. Okay. Um, and what's so great about the idea of edible gardens for single mums is that kids love to be involved. Well, we hope they will anyway. Um, they take great pleasure in planting and watching things grow, or depending on their age, they simply like playing in the dirt. But it's yeah. more than fun. It's emo- It's um, emotional and educational. <laughs> emotional and educational. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us the wonderful benefits of getting kids outside and into the garden and learning to grow? Yep, well, the, the science is telling us that hands in the soil affects the immune system. It allows children to strengthen their immunity, um, getting in amongst that organic matter. It actually is a good thing to play in the mud. Mm. And um, then, of course, the fresh air, the educational benefits of them seeing things grow from seed, the connection to their food. You know, food doesn't come from aisle seven at the supermarket. <laughs> it actually, <laughs> you know, has an organic origin. And um, then they might start asking questions and being curious and look to farms and local farming areas. And everywhere in Australia has a local farm or a local hobby farm. And you could go on excursions and visit those places or go to your big um, edible nurseries and, and, you know, take it from there. There's At those big edible nurseries, there's often child-centred days and it's free to get in and then you've got all these ch- children-centred activities going on and some free things happening and it's great. Yeah, it's just a... I mean, you've just said it all there in a nutshell. It's just a perfect thing for kids to do. Um, it also can be good to give them jobs in the garden, I think, um, age-appropriate yeah. jobs. So they have a, um, they ha- they're in charge of uh, watering or whatever it might be because it helps them to feel valued that you're trusting them to go out and look at after something in the garden. Um, and I think that anything that gets them sort of outside and away from the uh, dreaded iPad and iPod and um, phone screens nowadays has got to be a really good thing as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. I think for us, um, it's been a great lesson in perseverance because we've had so many disasters um, that but <laughs> we just keep going and every now and then we get a success. So it's, so there's all sorts of lessons that can come out of getting your kids into the garden. Yeah, then they're going to find all the insects and the butterflies and the bees. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you just hope that it will entertain them for a while. Um, but it, it's so much more than that. As I say, it is an education as well. And it's really important for them to um, to know where stuff is coming from because sometimes they don't. I was actually at a checkout in the UK before we emigrated. And I remember the late, the well, young girl on the checkout, I was buying a mango and she looked at it, looked up at me and said, what is this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah. what a shame she doesn't know and they're so delicious. <laughs> but look, um, Kath, I feel that we have kind of built our own little garden during our chat today um, and I can see it in my mind's eye full of beautiful flowers and yummy food. Um, but like all wonderful things, this podcast does have to come to an end and I'm looking at the time. But... Before we finish, you've got a really great offer for the single mums listening. Can I ask you to explain what it is and how to get it? Sure. 
Look, I'd really like to hear from a single mum in Melbourne who'd like to get started with a little herb garden. And I'd really like to hear in 25 words or less why you would really like to be the person that I come out to your home and I start you off with some rosemary and thyme, chives and basil and put that into your garden for you. So if ladies can tell me in 25 words or less why they'd like to have a visit and I'll give you some herbs and put them in for you, maybe we'll do it together, um, and send that along to tinytrowl7 at gmail.com, I'd love to hear from you. Okay, and that's really, I love that. That's just a perfect little prize. So I will make sure that your email address goes onto the podcast when it goes onto my website, which is beanstalkmums.com.au. And um, hopefully the winner of your prize will... Uh, be generous in sharing their pictures of their herb garden on both of our Facebook pages, Tiny oh, Trowels. <laughs> wouldn't that be fabulous? Oh, no, I love to see these things as they happen. Um, whenever I give away a prize, I always encourage people to share and I like to see how they're going with it. But certainly for something like a herb garden, it would be great. We'll all be following it on the single mum vine. We absolutely love things like that. So yeah, uh-huh. you'll have to keep me updated on who wins. <laughs> oh, absolutely right. And I think one thing to put in would be a lovely chocolate mint plant because you can just pick off a few leaves pop it in a teacup boil the kettle cup of tea oh i want one now (laughs) i've never heard of chocolate mint not not in the form of a plant anyway (laughs) i've learned i've learned a lot in this last 45 minutes so thank you (laughs) (laughs) look kath what you are doing is quite simply brilliant the smaller stuff and the bigger stuff. Um, It must be so rewarding to educate people in such a valuable way. And I'm sure that simply through this podcast, you've inspired many. And um, I'm even thinking of digging out my trowel and giving this green finger thing another go. So thank you so much for your time today. Lovely, thank you, Lucy. You're welcome. And thank you, single mums, for listening. I hope I'm right and that you are inspired to get out amongst the dirt. Remember that it only takes one pot and one plant or seed um, to get started. And you never know, it might become a new hobby that will nourish you and your children for many years to come. Until next time, ladies, goodbye.